What is up? Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. I am Marcus Grant, joined by Dwayne McFarlane. And uh, Dwayne, here we are. We are past the draft. We are very much into best ball season. How are you spending your time uh, nowadays? Ah, uh, well, drafting best ball teams isn't it? isn't that what everyone's doing? Pretty much, Marcus? yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, doing some best ball for sure. But you know, working on the tiers. Uh, quarterbacks dropped last week. We'll talk about them a little bit here in a minute. So I'm working on running backs this week. Then we'll have wide receivers. Then we'll have tight ends. Uh, you know, working on getting some other getting the rankings and everything for or getting all the tables for all the advanced data and stuff like that. We're gonna have all that going to the side as well. So. Man, tons of good stuff. Um, we're making progress every day, so I'm excited about it. Absolutely. Uh, go check it out. Like, like we always say, go to FantasyLife.com. You can check out all the great information, all the uh, the columns that are going up. You can check out rankings, stats, projections, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's all there. Go check it out uh, while you're there. As I always say, sign up for the newsletter. I will probably remind you that again before this podcast is over. But, uh, you know, you can never say it too many times. Um, so as Dwayne mentioned... We are going to be all about quarterbacks today because there are plenty of ADPs out there and some of them might be a little bit wild. So we're going to kind of dive into uh, some of the different quarterback ADPs and also sort of break down the quarterback tiers and give you an idea of maybe some strategies you might want to incorporate as you get ready to draft or if you are already drafting, uh, maybe something to change up how you are drafting. So let's start uh, with some ADPs, comparing last year's ADPs to this year's ADPs. And, Dwayne, you, you point out top eight quarterbacks are up 22 spots uh, in ADP right now. Quarterbacks 9 through 12, kind of flat. But even the bottom portion of the quarterbacks, say from 14 to 27 or so, have all moved up. Uh, any thoughts, any early thoughts on why this is right now? Yeah, I think there are a few factors going on um number one we just have seen a disconnect more recently like from the very top quarterbacks and what you're getting at your qb 12 13 and 14 so the point disparity um you know if you're just saying hey if i take the qb1 how much better am i than the qb12 used to that could be very flat and it might just be a few points and it was like well why do i invest in that well here lately because of the dual threat nature of some of these guys at the top, and you can't really find any others once they're gone off the board, like there are a couple of options we'll talk about later when we get to the tiers. You've got a few guys you can look at, but it's not like it used to be, Marcus. Remember back in the days when we get Lamar Jackson in round 12 or 13 because he hadn't done it yet. You know, I remember last year, Trey Lance hadn't done it yet. People didn't care. Round seven. This year, <laughs> Anthony Richardson has not done it yet. Don't care. Round seven. And that's because people have realized that, like, the running cheat code, right? The Konami code for quarterbacks, as Rich Rebar likes to call it. Like, if you can do that, like, it's just such an advantage, and it's really price and it's supply and demand. So I think that's one part of it. Um, the other part, obviously, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes had a great season as well. And so, I mean, when we're talking about all these elite guys, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, all going round two, like round two, um, which is quite a bit, especially considering if you want to stack them, you have to take the wide receiver or tight end in round one so you have to spend round one and two pick now it's not bad to pair those guys like kelsey and mahomes you're always going to like that um, but it is tough um i think the other thing is like for the late round guys that have moved up like qb's 14 through 27 they're up almost around an adp and that really just ties back to the fact that everybody's stacking now marcus like it just you know game theory shows that like once you, you're playing a tournament like underdog and you get to the final week and you're up against 400 other teams you want to correlate as much as you can just so that you just have a game or two go off and that explodes and you win a lot of money. It's not everything, but if you can set up those stacks, your quarterback stacks with maybe a bring back from somebody else they're playing in week 17, it's kind of like playing a DF, a mini DFS tournament you're planning out, you know, starting today, even though it's not going to happen until week 17. Seems kind of mind-blowing, but like the strategy behind it, like people, you know, Mike Leone did a really good article on it. We're actually going to have him on the show to just kind of walk us through it and help people understand all that stuff in layman's terms. But I think that's definitely part of it. And I think the other thing to, to remember, though, is like once I really started to break it down, and we'll get more into this in the tiers, from a tier standpoint, like there's still a lot of similarities. So last year, we talked about Trey Lance, you know, Dual threat upside guy, unproven, where'd he go? Round seven. That's Anthony Richardson this year. It's still same spot where they're going. Um, if you look at Justin Herbert last year, let's basically Joe Burrow this year, round four guy, like young guy in a pass first offense with a lot of weapons around him. This year, people have flipped that to Joe Burrow. So from a 
tier and archetype standpoint of thinking of the quarterback's talent, their surroundings, all those things, there's still a lot of similarities, but everything is slightly pushed up. Um, there is that flat spot we talked about in the middle. We'll get to some of those guys. Um, but like even in like round 11 and 12, like it's like, okay, last year it was Justin Fields. You remember the narrative? Ah, oh, man, he sucks. Doesn't matter. He can run. There's no, <laughs> there's nobody around him or anything, but we'll take him here because he can run. Well, that's Kyler Murray this year. Kyler Murray, the, it's a different narrative, right? He's injured. Will he play? And, and you know, now it's people take it as gospel, like these ideas, right? The think tank says, well, Kyler Murray, man, like what if they're in six, man, he might not play. Like, Nobody in Arizona is saying that. Like, is that a possibility? <laughs> yeah, but now people are acting like, oh, man, Kyler Murray's not going to play. As soon as I posted these tears on Twitter, like somebody, the first response I think I got was, Kyler Murray's not going to play. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. But the point being, if you want the dual threat upside, you got to take a risk on a guy like Murray. You're right. He might not play the first part of the season. There's risk he doesn't play later in the season. But that's essentially, that's essentially equivalent to the Justin Fields thing last year. Like, Deshaun Watson's the other one. Last year, he was suspended. But you're swinging for upsides and upside in round 11 and 12. And uh, that's Kyler this year. So still a lot of similarities, but overall things are up a little bit. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting when you talk about the guys like say Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Anthony Richardson. Um, I feel like that is maybe a prime example of us kind of separating our actual football brains from our fantasy football brains, because mm -hmm. it, it used to be when these guys were still going in like late rounds, double digit rounds, the 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 explanation was, well, they're not good passers, right? Like you can't survive in this league as a quarterback unless you're a passer, unless you can stand back there and throw the ball for 3,500, 4,000 yards, you know, throw 25, 30 touchdowns, you're never going to make it. And then at some point, uh, and, you know, shout out to Rich Rebar for sort of, you know, being ahead of the curve on this. We are starting to realize that, you know, look, it sure, it definitely helps if you have a guy that can throw for 3,500 yards. But in terms of what we're trying to do in fantasy, we just want, points we just want production and and that rushing ability gives it to us and so now we have seen uh that that shift in that to the point that now as you mentioned the elite guys are going off the board in the second round where you know look i mean jj zacharyson built his whole his whole personality around the late round quarterback idea and even when jj started to kind of shift and say, hey, you know, maybe we want to go earlier at quarterbacks, I think that that sort of meant that that, that transition was was almost complete at this point. But you know, as we get to kind of the tiers, have we reached the point where maybe we're reaching too much for some of these elite guys? I do feel like we are. I feel like round two is really steep to have three guys go. Now, they all fit the right archetype that tells you as long as they're healthy, they're probably going to hit, right? Um, so you could make an argument you're less likely to miss on a Jalen Hurts, right? Then maybe you are even on a running back or a wide receiver. I think that, you know, your, your hit rates are going to go down with some of those guys. Now, when you get to the guys that really still are depending mostly on passing, you need efficiency spikes, right? To really help you in the passing game. You need the long touchdowns. You need to average, you know, your touchdowns per attempt need to have a spike here to give you a chance to have that big season. And so Patrick Mahomes is a little more iffy. However, he's Patrick Mahomes, right? He's elite. And to your point, like today, a 3,500-yard passing quarterback back in the day when you and I first started playing that, like, you need to be 4,500 now, right? right that, that's true. That's the basically be average. Like, you got to have an upside of 5,000 yards passing and 45 to 50 passing touchdowns to be worth taking in the same range as where some of these dual-threat guys go. But Mahomes does have that. I will say when I did my research, it was pretty interesting. Like, going back and looking at Peyton Manning, I mean, a lot of the greats of all-time greats that we've seen as passers, they struggled to finish back-to-back -back seasons in, you know, number one. You know, they struggled to, to finish in the top three. A lot of times you'd get a number four or number five finish, and a lot of it does come back. It wasn't like suddenly they were bad passers, but you need some things to break your way as a passer. So I do think, you know, Mahomes is a bit, is the one that's the most rich for me, despite the fact that we love Mahomes. We're, and we'll talk about where we would be willing to take them and situations where you can take them in your drafts. But I do think it's gone a little bit too far. And, and some of it's just opportunity cost, Marcus. I mean, you have to pass up some really good receivers, uh, running backs in that range, even though those quarterbacks may be cleaner as far as like, you know, chances of hitting or, or at least returning on your investment. Um, there are some guys that we'll talk about that you can get later in the draft that I think still can make, they can be your arbitrage plays, right? Hey, what's a cheaper version of uh, Joe Burrow? What's it's, it's hard to find a cheaper version of Jalen Hurts. And there are a couple, but people are already pricing them up, right? It's Lamar Jackson and it's freaking Justin Fields and they're going around three. Um, but, but we'll talk through that. Some of those potential plays, but you know, you can, I just want to say this, 
you can draft a team any way you want. Because if you take the quarterback in round two and you hit everything else and then you find the running back and two running backs in round eight and 11 that go off when someone else spent a round two running back pick, it's the same thing, right? And they're running back, you know, then, then all of a sudden you're in a way better position. So there are lots of different ways to build your teams and be successful for best ball. We're just going to outline some of them that focus today on waiting at quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's that's sort of the key here, right? The, there is no one way to go about this whole process, but ideally we arm you with a whole bunch of different options, and so you can sort of pick and choose which one is best for you. And uh, even within the course of a draft, if you have to sort of pivot, maybe uh, this helps you do that a little bit. By the way, if you want to build your favorite quarterback wide receiver stacks, you can use promo code LIFE, get 100% first deposit match up to $100 on Underdog today. So uh, get on over there and... And uh, you know, start building some rosters, uh, if you will. Uh, all right, so let's let's dive into these because uh, you can go on FantasyLife.com and uh, read Dwayne's article about the quarterback tiers, and uh, we'll get into some of them now. We'll start with number one. Obviously, you've got the alphas, the guys we talked about: Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes. Um, Round two is sort of where you're having to get. This yeah. is where I, in, in past, you know, in, in past years, I would go into a rant about how we have to change quarterback scoring and that it shouldn't be a strategical disadvantage to draft a guy like Josh Allen, so on and so forth. We'll skip all that right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, it is it is pricey, right? I mean, here is I, I mean, I, the, the short version is we all think Josh Allen is great or Patrick Mahomes is great. It shouldn't necessarily be a strategic disadvantage to draft them. But this is where we are. That's a whole other conversation for another time. But, uh, you know, in terms of those three guys, I mean, I guess we're really talking opportunity costs, right? I mean, I guess we feel confident that they're going to be productive, but it does mean you're potentially missing out on a top level, maybe even an elite player position if that is what you choose to do in round two. Yeah, and just real quickly, the players that it is costing, um, it's the running backs. It's pushing them down. So this is why you can get Tony Pollard at the end of round two because this group of quarterbacks go because once you get to the drafter for AJ Brown, if they decided to take him in the middle of the first, they're taking Jalen hurts. They're just doing it. Mm -hmm. If Mahomes gets to the Travis Kelsey drafter, it's almost an auto pick. Right. And I would too. That's where I will take these guys. If I get Kelsey at six and Mahomes makes it back to me, I want to go ahead and pair it and do it because you don't know how many chances you're going to get. Right. You, you may take Kelsey, say you're going to draft a hundred teams. You may draft Kelsey 20 times and he, and Mahomes may only be available to you. Seven of those. Because right? I've started off some drafts, Marcus, where I've grabbed T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and thinking, okay, nobody else has any of them. I've tried this three times. Every time somebody else takes Burrow before he gets to me. <laughs> and I'm like, you, what are you, who are you going to pair him with? Tyler Boyd? Okay. And like, I just you knew you have to shift gears. So that feels like a connect four aspect. move, by the way. Like, you know, if you're playing connect four or tic-tac-toe and you're trying to block. That's what that feels like, honestly. Yeah. And, and, and who knows? And sometimes people just aren't paying attention because the other thing with drafting today, you're on your phone. You're staring at people are staring at a little screen. They're not really paying attention a lot of times to what other people are doing, to what people behind them have, what people behind them need, what people behind them don't need. They're also not always necessarily thinking about stacking their own team and setting their own team up for the most success. Um, so that can definitely be, you know, a factor. But just looking at Josh Allen, a couple of quick things, like we won't spend a ton of time on these guys. I think most people know that these three quarterbacks are really good. But <laughs> points per game. The last three years, man, 25.6, 24.6, and 26.0, right? Um, that's the first time. That's the all-time, all-time. Going back to the beginning of the NFL, that is the all-time record holder for most consecutive seasons of 24-plus fantasy points per game. So is there really anything else we need to say about Allen? I mean, he plays on a pass-heavy team. He runs the ball a lot. He's an elite passer. He and Steph, Stephon Diggs, they've got their thing going. If you wanted to make any kind of complaint about where's the chink and the armor for Josh Allen, it's what if something happened to Stephon Diggs? Like, we, they, don't, they don't really have a for-sure number two. Now, they added Dalton Kincaid, so you could argue if everything went right, um, and Kincaid really blows up, well, then that's better than just having Stefan Dix. You know, I know there's still some Gabe Davis truthers out there, and, and that's fine. His ADP's fine now. Um, he can still do the long ball stuff, but he's not an elite guy. So if Diggs went down, that would really hurt. Um, but man, he's so good on the ground already. Like if Diggs got hurt, like what's happening? It, I mean, Josh Allen's your QB3 instead of your QB1. Like that might be the outcome. So, I mean, the floor is still really good. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and that's the thing with all these guys is that, you know, it's the range of outcomes seems narrow for them. Barring injury, these guys are going to continue to, to be uh, you know, high-level, elite-level quarterbacks. 
So it does sort of mitigate the risk of taking them where it is. It's just about whether or not you want to miss out on a potentially like a, a high-level running back. I remember folks last year being like, oh, man, Hurts in the six, man. It's just too much. And we're sitting there and we're like, well, I mean, again, even if he sucks as a passer, he just does what he normally does as, a, as you know, a runner at the position. It's going to be hard for him to not finish in the top six. If he suddenly gets better as a passer, oh, by the way, they added A.J. Brown to go with Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. Like, it's going to be hard for him to not be the QB1 overall, right? And so he's still got all those things going for him. He plays, uh, you know, the position a different way than most quarterbacks do in the league, and he's got maybe, you could argue, I mean, they're in the argument of, you know, the best trio, right, of weapons in the league. I mean, there's some other teams that would have something to say about it, but definitely in the top four to five. So, I mean, yeah, that's great for him. Yeah. Without without a doubt, absolutely. Um, that feels like a good way to get to tier two. By the way, you talk about Jalen Hurts and you know him developing as a passer, but already being a, an elite runner. Tier two, the guys who are either elite runners or elite passers. Uh, you've got Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. I'm sure people can sort out which which player falls into which category there. But uh, you know, this is a group. That, I guess if you miss out, if you miss out on those top three or choose not to participate in those top three. This. This seems to be the next great landing spot for people drafting quarterbacks. Yeah, for sure. And I've got a lot more exposure to this uh, tier so far. I mean, I've drafted 25 teams. I've got several Fields teams. I've got several Lamar Jackson teams. What's pushing them up is people no longer are talking the same way about this archetype of quarterback like they were Jalen Hurts last year. Now people are like, oh, actually, this is really good. I'm getting Jalen Hurts this year in round three right? Where everybody else is having to take Jalen Hurts in round two, because that's what's happened. So Justin Fields, you could take at the end of round three. Lamar Jackson typically goes around the middle of round three. I've been mixing both of those guys up. Um, I saw a guy I was so jealous, Marcus, like two nights ago. I saw, um, I saw Lamar Jackson fall all the way to the end of the third round, and Mark Andrews was still there. And he just, man, he immediately was like, Jackson Andrews. It doesn't happen very often. They actually go right next to each other, and they go in the middle of the third round. So it's really hard to get those two paired up. But when you get Jackson, you can always come back later and get a Zay Flowers. You can get a Bateman. You can get an OBJ if that's really your poison. So there's a lot of different ways that you can that you can stack these guys. Fields, a lot of times you'll people see people take him at the end of round three, and then they'll turn around and just grab DJ Moore right off the bat because he's pretty much the clear alpha. And so you're kind of getting a you're kind of getting like Jalen Hurts. You got to spend the first two picks of a draft. Well, here if Fields pays off and he and DJ Moore really click. You're getting the same kind of thing in round three and four, and you've got a really good probably running back and receiver or two wide receivers to go with them already whenever, you know, the other person that took Hurts, like they're staring at a different group of running backs and wide receivers. So again, lots of ways to do it. I, I buy this tier a lot. Um, Burrow's in it as well. So this tier is technically elite rusher or <laughs> elite passer, which is what Burrow is. Um, got the weapons. They throw first. You know, Zach Taylor finally figured things out last year. Like, yeah, screw this. Let's stop running the ball. Let's just, we've got Joe Burrow and all these weapons. <laughs> so everything lines up really good for Burrow. I will say I'm not taking Burrow that often if I don't already have one of Chase or Higgins. Like in that case, I'm typically just waiting because I'm not that excited. I'm fine grabbing Tyler Boyd. I'm, gra I'm, I'm okay grabbing, you know, uh, Irv Smith later in drafts, but not necessarily, I don't want to spend that high of a pick on Burrow if I'm not going to get to build my team around one of his main pass catchers with him. Got to ask, because I know Todd Monken recently came out and said that he wants to you know, take some of the burden off of Lamar having to run the ball uh, by using some of the weapons in the passing game. I mean, obviously they draft Zay Flowers, they get Odell Beckham, you know, Rashad Bateman hopefully is, is healthy and ready to go. Uh, does that, do you rethink, I won't say rethink, but I mean, does, does it, make you feel a little bit differently about Lamar if, if he has to rely on his arm more than his legs this year? Not really, because um, I think it all offsets because Lamar Jackson last year was the number one quarterback as far as percentage of his team's design rushing attempts in the games where he played. 27% of the Ravens design run attempts went through Lamar Jackson by far the number one, not by far, Jalen Hurts was 25%, you know, just slightly behind him. Um, but the scramble rate's still really good. Like, so his scramble rate last season was 7%, but not 7%. His scramble rate last season, uh, yeah, was 7 Uh Number one was Justin Fields at 16%. Um, but if Lamar is running less design stuff and he's dropping back more, like, I think he's probably more around 8 9 10% scramble rate. He's been in those ranges before. So I think he still ends up being fine um, with what you're picking up. The other thing, I did read that piece that you're talking about, and Munkin also said, in the same sentence, comma, 
but we really don't want to, we have to be careful about taking that away from him <laughs> because he's really good at it. Um, you know, and coaches, man, they love cheap explosive plays that don't risk turnovers. Well, quarterbacks taking off running that can do what he does. Like, you know, I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's a win-win. You're not going to turn the ball over and you've got a good chance to get 10 yards, pick up a first down really easily. So I think maybe you see a little bit less, but I think what we pick up with the weapons they've added around Lamar, um, I think that helps offset it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to really change people's opinion on it one way or another. I'm just kind of curious how you, how you felt about it. Um, tier three, you're calling it the young guns, which was one of my favorite Emilio Estevez movies uh, back in the late eighties, early nineties uh, guys with lots of upside, plenty of things to stack around them. Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, uh, it feels like these two, I, you know, I know they aren't necessarily tied together, but it does feel like they're going to be compared to each other a lot, I think, in the next couple of years as, you know, two guys who, as you mentioned, young guns, uh, really good arm talent, uh, lots of weapons around them. But uh, your thoughts on on kind of this grouping here in Tier 3? Yeah, these two are just kind of discounted for you versus what you're getting with Joe Burrow. These are pocket passers that are so young pocket passers that can still give you more than nothing right on the ground. Like they might give you 250 rushing yards, might pick up two or three rushing touchdowns, but both guys are young ascending guys. We've seen it before with Justin Herbert. He did take a step back last season. Um, I know everybody, you know, complained about the a dot and all those things. Well, they add Quentin Johnston. So he's got another playmaker last year. He didn't really have Keenan Allen or Mike Williams together on the field very often and healthy. So I think you just look at that plus Kellen Moore, an aggressive play caller. We've seen that with the Cowboys they are probably going to be one of the, the league leaders in passing attempts. Um, and when you put those weapons around him and an ascending young guy like this, that can give you a little on the ground. I just feel like it's, it, he could easily outscore Joe Burrow. Right. And you're getting him around later. So I love him. It's easy to stack Herbert. And then Trevor Lawrence hasn't quite shown us what Burrow and what Herbert have shown us, you know, yet, but it's like, it feels like it's just simmering. Like it's just beneath the surface Marcus. And if he's going to do it, it's this year, you add Ridley into the mix with Christian Kirk. Plus, uh, you know, they bring back Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, you know, really proved to be a good number two last year. Now he's the number three. It's just a team that's oozing, you know, with depth at wide receiver. Maybe none of those guys are true elite alpha wide receiver ones, but Kirk and Ridley, they're probably really good wide receiver twos. Maybe Ridley can be a wide receiver one again, but Zay Jones as your third option is like great, especially when you've got, you know, a plus tight end. So I think that those two... um, I really like them a lot. I, I, you can stack them easily with their weapons. There's plenty of, it's hard to get cut off. Like with some of these other quarterbacks, it's like you, if so, if you, if you draft, you know, um, you know, if you're looking at uh, Lamar, right. And you can't get Andrews, he's clearly the one. Yes. We like the other guys, but like with this group, like for me, like there's plenty to, there's plenty to look at. And I like the weapons that go with Lamar too. That probably wasn't the best. Justin Fields is the better one. Like if you don't get DJ Moore, you're like, well, I, Guess I'll take Darnell <laughs> Mooney, you know, or Cole Komet. And, and th- that's going to be a run first team probably still with Chicago. So you want, you, you kind of just really only want the, the top option on the team on a team like the Jags, they could throw way more this year. We know the chargers are going to throw a lot. And so there's a lot of opportunity to spread that around. You can get two targets to stack with him. You could potentially get three if you want. So yeah, absolutely love, love, love this uh, group of quarterbacks with the top guns. Yeah, no. Or and I think guys. especially when top guns, I went to a different movie on your markets. There you go. <laughs> Uh, both excellent films, though, without, without a doubt. Um, and I do think I've been saying with the, the Jaguars, especially that their their pass catchers are all sort of intriguing, but it's it's going to be hard, I think, on a week to week situation to figure out, you know, who's going to be the guy. But if you're talking a best ball deal, right, and you're trying to stack a quarterback, uh, there's plenty, I think, to choose from in Jacksonville. There's plenty to choose from, as you mentioned, with the Chargers between Allen and Williams and Johnston. Um, there's a lot there. And so I think that that definitely makes it intriguing. And I'm curious to see what this Charger offense looks like now with Kellen Moore uh, running the show there. If if we do see Herbert sort of uh, open it up a little bit and get a little bit more downfield uh, as opposed to what we saw uh, the last couple of years there in L.A. So uh, tier four, where uh, you call it swinging for the fence, is a couple guys here. Deshaun Watson, uh, you describe him as arbitrage Patrick Mahomes. Anthony Richardson, arbitrage Justin Fields. Uh, they're not quite the wait on a quarterback. You know, I'm going to sit here and wait until round nine or ten to get a quarterback. They're not far off, though. Uh, but, Dwayne, I also feel like if you're drafting these guys, you probably are better off also drafting an insurance policy a little bit later on just to sort of cover your basis a little bit. 
Yeah, so with these two, you're getting kind of a gap, right? We talked about Justin Herbert and then Deshaun, I mean, uh, Trevor Lawrence going 51 and 60 right now on underdog. So you dip down to 82 and 84. And this is where things kind of level out for a minute because people kind of jump over to running backs and receivers for a couple of rounds and lay off the quarterbacks. And then when people start back, it's, it's really these two. And I think it is the right two to start with because they really have the upside. Um, with Deshaun Watson, I mean, I don't know. I, I agree. You want to have, I think once you're drafting guys in this range, you want to pair them with another good quarterback. Um, you know, I'm probably not going with three quarterback builds though. I mean, unless there's just something that really works out later with my team, I think both of these guys are going to play the whole season. Um, it could be, you know, maybe Richardson struggles. So I'm probably just going to, when I take them though, assume that I was right about getting them right. And then just build my team around it build a two QB build and let the chips fall where they may. But there is certainly a little bit more concern with them with Watson. It's just the fact that he tanked last year, you know, 15.1 fantasy points per game. Now he only played six games, but it was really bad. And that's not what we're used to seeing from him in 2020. We got 23.8 points per game. 2019, we got 22, 2018, 21.7. And in 2017, his rookie season only played seven games, but 25 points per game. So that's why I call him arbitrage Patrick Mahomes. This is a guy that can come out and throw for 4,500 yards, add another 350 to 450 on the ground, pick up some rushing touchdowns. We've heard that the Browns want to throw more. They traded for Elijah Moore. Um, they've got Amari Cooper already. Donovan Peoples-Jones is, you know, your third wide receiver. Grab Cedric Tillman in the third round. David Njoku. He's got some solid weapons. These are None of these are elite. Amari Cooper's a high-end wide receiver too. But if Elijah Moore or one of these other pieces click, like that could be really good for Deshaun. And again, he adds on the ground. So the proven, you know, you know the proven um, ability that Deshaun's given us in the past was squarely puts him in my sights in, the, in these rounds. And I do think he gives you the upside to surprise us and be a top three quarterback this year. Richardson, yeah, rookie. Um, but again, he's going to run. Like, so he's probably going to run for 800 to 900 yards. And that all by itself is going to be enough to get him inside the top 12. The only thing that would really derail Richardson would be if for some reason he's just not ready, right? And they go with Gardner Minshew. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like a lot would have to go wrong because there's so many ways you can build this offense around his legs and limit how much you even need to throw the ball with him. So I feel like if he's even struggling early on in the passing aspect, there's just so many things they can do with the scheme to set him up right. Now with Lamar Jackson, you bring up a really good point, Marcus, because with Lamar, we saw as a rookie, it was Joe Flacco, and he he, he was kind of a sub-package guy they would bring in every once in a while. And then later in the season, they finally let him have a little run. The next year, Lamar took over. So it's never say never kind of thing, but we're not he's not coming in behind an established veteran like Joe Flacco. So I feel like Richardson would really have to face plant for us to see Gardner Minshew. So I, I really think that these are two guys that if, if you're dead set on, you really want the upside and you, you just want to feel good about that ceiling. These are two names that you can take and you're getting him in that, you know, pick 80 range. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know if amazed is the word that Richardson is going so early. Cause I don't, I don't think it's amazing. I mean, I think we, you and I have talked about the reasons that people are, are deciding to make that move there, but I do think, you know, it, it does not come without at least a little bit yeah. of risk there just because, uh, you know, we hope he runs, we, we think he will. Um, but you never really know going into the season. I think that'd be the Watson. wildest narrative. Would that be the wildest thing ever is like the whole Anthony Richardson narrative was wrong. It's not just a narrative. We've seen him do it in college, but like right. he came out and they tried to turn him into a pocket passer. People would lose their minds. Well, and remember, I mean, I, mean, I remember that was the thing sort of with Marcus Mariota early in his career is that he yeah. didn't run. Now, I don't know that that was a scheme thing. I, I get the feeling it was more Mariota trying to prove to everybody else that he could be a pocket passer when the rest of us were like, look, man, you ran at Oregon. That's what you did well. Why don't you look, do man. it here? Oh, <laughs> um, you know, so I, I would hope that, you know, look, I, I get it. Richardson wants to prove that he can play at the next level, but also, you know, do what you do well. So hopefully he doesn't decide to just change up on us uh, at this point. I do think Deshaun Watson has, uh, I think there there's more better things coming this year. I think a lot of what we saw last year was a guy who hadn't played football in an extended period of time. And, uh, you know, I don't know that he'll ever admit to it, but I do think the, sort of the the mental strain of knowing the reception he was going to get and not that it's going to get yeah. better i'm sure he's still going to face that when he you know travels a lot this year but uh, i just think there were a lot of other things non-football things that sort of went into deshaun watson and i think with you know a handful of games under his belt and it's an off season to sort of prepare uh i think he you know 
on the field, strictly speaking there. There's I think still a ton be of pressure on him. That's the question. Yeah. He has a huge contract yeah. that's super guaranteed that everybody hates. The whole league hates quarterbacks like, right? <laughs> They're looking at it going, I want that deal. Um, but like that crosshair plus everything else that happened, like there's yeah. a lot of pressure on him. And like, I could see someone mentally folding up and just being done. Like it yeah. is in the range of outcomes. Um, fortunately, just from a fantasy perspective only, at least we have seen him put up really high end results before. And that's really the only thing we're gambling on here. Yeah, that really is. Uh, you know, hoping that the past sort of you know, repeats itself uh, a little bit. Um, tier five pads to upside, which uh, it's a, a group of very familiar names that maybe aren't at the peak, the pinnacle of their careers anymore, but are still potentially pretty good. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Tua Tungavailoa, Dak Prescott. These are now like, so for years, uh, I always had a guy that I, I sort of named the patron saint of the church of weight on a quarterback. It had been Matthew Stafford the last couple of years, although I think he has sort of uh, you know, fallen out of that group. Maybe it's Aaron Rodgers now. I don't know. But this feels like the group where if you decide to hold on to that old mentality of waiting until round nine or later, uh, these feel like the guys you're probably targeting now. Yeah, if I don't have a guy, um, if I don't have a QB1 by round nine, the players I'm prioritizing, the ones you just named, Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Tua, and then Dak barely made this. We'll talk about Dak in a minute. Um, but Rogers, the big thing is we've seen him with one weapon in the past, Devonte Adams. Now that's an elite weapon come through, not last year, but the two years, obviously last year he didn't have Devonte Adams, but the two years before that 24.5 and 20.0 averages. So uh, what you're looking for here is, you know, what these, what, you know, your draft competition, you know, when they're taking these guys in the first, second, third round, you know what you're up against. Like, it's really tough. So you want to take a guy that you feel theoretically has some sort of ceiling. Aaron Rodgers has proven that he can do that. The question is, how good is Garrett Wilson, right? Because I don't know that the surrounding cast, you and I have talked about this before on the pod, outside of, you know, Garrett Wilson, like, I, I don't know that it's really that big of an upgrade. Like Christian Watson, we liked. We do think Garrett Wilson's a slight upgrade from Christian Watson, but like you bring Alan Lazard over with you. You bring Randall Cobb with you. Those are not things we were super excited about. <laughs> Like, so there's questions here with Rodgers. Um, he's definitely going to have to recapture some of the mojo, but I think his path is Garrett Wilson has to go superstar. Like, he just has to go off and be everything that we think he can be. And then Rodgers could come through. I wish they would have kept, um, you know, Elijah Moore. Like, that would have gave me, even though he busted last year, we at least saw him have that big rookie season in, in spurts. We knew he was really good in college. I would just feel a little better about the upside. Um, but they add Nicole Hardman. It's kind of a gadget playmaker. Corey Davis is going to hang around. So they have enough that maybe those matching parts, you know, end up being fine outside of Garrett Wilson. Um, but at least we've seen him do it before. And if it, if it all works out right, you're getting that pocket passer that can give you the upside, basically like a Joe Burrow. Um, Gino, we know that Pete wants to run. We know he talks about wanting to use all of his tight ends, but they add Jackson Smith and Jigba to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So I'm just keeping it simple. Gino broke out last year. He's also not a minus on the ground. This is a guy that can give you 350 rushing yards. Um, he didn't have, I think he had one rushing touchdown last year. That could easily turn into three or four, right? So there's upside built in there. So I love that. You know, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for, you know, if the, if the Seahawks are getting press and they're in shoot, shootouts and things like that, they could just decide to throw it more. Or they could just decide, wow, Jackson Smith and Jigba is so freaking good. We can't keep him off the field. And we're not telling DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett to leave the field. So we're just going to go with 11 personnel most of the time. Throw it more. So I think there's a lot of paths for Geno. Uh, he's going QB 16 right now, Marcus. Yeah. So I really do love him. Um, Daniel Jones, like, uh, he can run. I don't think he's a good <laughs> passer. I don't think he's going to turn into a great passer. I think we've seen him long enough. But they did add Waller and Hyatt, at least. So you at least give him the upgrade and the weapons. Um, and then Tua. Man, elite weapons. We saw what it was like. 297 yards passing per game when he didn't, you know, in his full healthy games. That gets rid of the, the games where he got knocked out with a, knocked from the game with a concussion. Obviously getting rid of any uh, of the other games, you know, he missed. Just looking at the games that he played fully, 297 is really good. Like, that's an elite passer. He doesn't do much on the ground, but he's going to have Tyreek Hill back. He's going to have Jalen Waddle back. They got a great scheme with Mike McDaniel. So I think those are the positives. I just get super for Tua with the concussion stuff. Yeah. Um, I think he still belongs in this tier because he gives you the upside that you're looking for, but there is some risk there that Tua suffers another concussion. You, he could be 
done, period, like for his career. You won't see him again this season kind of thing. Um, and then Dak, man, like I don't think the Cowboys can run more like Mike McCarthy says. Like he, They actually ran the ball more than they ever have. And Mike McCarthy's career, going back to Green Bay, he's never ran the ball as much as he did last year in Dallas. And game scripts, there's so many things that have to cooperate to make that happen again. They added Brandon Cooks. So Dak, I'm really just going with, they can't run more. They could run the same amount. I don't doubt that they want to stay committed to the run, but I do think Brandon Cooks is an upgrade as far as a weapon that can do things after the catch and stuff still over Dalton Schultz. So I put him at the bottom of this, but honestly, he nearly fell into the next tier. So that seems like a good way to get to the next tier. Tier six, pocket passers with weapons. And, and these are names that when it comes to drafts, nobody's going to be excited about. Somebody will probably sigh really heavily and, you know, hit the, hit the draft button or announce the name in a live draft. But you're not going to get fired up about Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, and Russell Wilson. The last one seems weird because there was a time, Dwayne, we were super excited to draft Russell Wilson um after last year that that has seemed to have gone by the wayside but uh there's always a chance for these guys every once in a while to kind of break out and give you qb1 numbers but it does seem like on the whole uh if you are starting these guys on a weekly basis you are probably going to be in a in a pretty sticky situation so they are as you mentioned they're probably best ball qb2 options more than anything yeah i was just sad to even have to call russell wilson a pocket passer but i think this is kind of where we have to put him now not saying there's not some hidden upside and maybe russ runs for 350 this year, which would certainly be a plus, but based on what we've seen here recently, I don't know that that's, you know, a likelihood for him. I do think he's still got some ability on the ground. He's got weapons around him and he could snap back. Maybe Sean Payton can do it for him. So I, I think he's fine. I don't want him as my QB one though, <laughs> to your point. These guys are all QB twos. The tier before I will say also, I love those guys as my QB two. If I took a guy like what you were talking about, Deshaun Watson, Anthony Richardson, or getting two from the group in tier five, I don't like taking one of those if I've already invested highly. Like if I took Patrick Mahomes or one of those guys in round two, I'm not, I'm not paying for the tier five guys. There's too many other things that I still need to be doing at that point in the draft. Even if I took, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts or not Jalen Hurts, uh, Justin Fields, uh, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. If I took any of those, I'm also passing on tier five for the most part, unless one of them really slides in ADP because there's other things I need to be doing with my roster. But I will pair these guys that we're getting to tier six, sometimes even with the elite guys. Um, and I'll definitely pair them, pair them with the tier five guys. But Cousins, like I think, uh, you know, Ian had a tweet earlier and I think Matthew retweeted it and said, just call him Mr. R- Mr. QB 12. I think he's had three QB 12 finishes in a row. <laughs> so he's going to... He, Gonna get, and there's a real good chance he gives you a top 12 finish. You know, um, he's a purely he's a pure pocket passer, but he definitely has weapons around him. You know, with Justin Jefferson, yeah, Jordan Addison, yeah, TJ Hawkinson. Things were going well with him at the end of last year, and then Jared Goff isn't quite to the same level. There's definitely more question with Jared Goff, and honestly, Jamison suspension really hurt Goff. Like I'd feel more confident about this one if we knew Jamison Williams was going to be there week one to go with Amon Ross St. Brown to go with Sam Laporta, who they added in the draft, Jameer Gibbs could potentially be an elite passing down back. So there's a lot of things here to like. I don't think Goff really reaches full strength, though, until you get Jamison back in the fold. Up until then, you'll have to be kind of have a, you'll have a mismatch, you know, a, or a mishmash of like, a, you know, Josh Reynolds, some of these other guys, Khalif Raymond, different guys stepping in and trying to have a role. I don't even know if Khalif Raymond, if they brought him back yet, but it, uh, it will be better once Jamison gets there. And when you're in the main money weeks, I think there will be a chance for, for Goff to go, uh, you know, have some really big games for fantasy managers, especially as your QB2. I do love uh, that Ian description, though, of Kirk Cousins just calling, you know, Mr. QB 12, because that's sort of what it is, right? Like, people don't want to draft him. Like I said, you, you do it. You feel like you sort of, sort of settled. And, um, you know, every now and then he'll put up a huge game. More than not, he's just kind of steady. And, like, he's, he's probably never going to sink your season. He may not help you win a championship, but he's never going to sink your season, which, uh, you know, there are, worse, there are worse guys you could have on your roster than, than a guy like Kirk Cousins. Uh, tier 7 calling it life is a gamble. You got two guys here. We sort of touched on them a little bit, but you can get more in depth. Kyler Murray, Trey Lance, where we really are just sort of banking on the potential upside of what these guys can do when and if they get on the field. Yeah, this is just real simply coming back to supply and demand again around guys that can be dual threat. Um, Last year, you could get Justin Fields and a little bit before this range. Um, but, but right around the same range, he was around 11, Kyler's around 11, around 12 right now. Um, so there's not any, there's not anybody else 
unless you happen to get Sam Howell right. We don't even know if he's going to have the job. And if he does have the job, is he going to be any good? We've at least seen Kyler Murray be really good at football. Like we we've he's a guy that when fully healthy could throw for five thousand yards and run for a thousand. Like he has that kind of upside. How long are you gonna have to wait to see that version of Kyler Murray? Will we see that version of Kyler Murray at all this year? Those are questions. And so that just really makes him a gamble. Um then with Trey Lance, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's going on with the 49ers, but apparently <laughs> Sam Darnold's better than he is now. I don't know. Like so you mentioned earlier, like guys that you there's no way they can just be your QB. Two, like with Trey or Lance, like you have to have a three quarterback build, in my opinion. Like he's got to be like your third guy. And even then, like it can still be tough to take him because it could be an absolute zero. Like Murray, I'm less in on this narrative that he's not going to play this year. I think like he's ready by week four or week five. He probably gets out there some. If they continue to suck and then they want to take him off the field to protect him and tank for Caleb Williams, who knows? I just feel like we're speculating a lot, like to, to kind of get to that spot. Um, and it'll depend, I guess, on where Arizona is kind of compared to some of these other teams, right? And, you know, who knows? Caleb Williams could come out and not be good this year. So many things can change. I mean, so it's kind of like threading the, you know, it's like threading the eye of a needle, like thinking that we're going to get this exact narrative around Arizona, right? So I still think Kyler's worth drafting um, with where you're getting him if you're looking for that upside, especially if you somehow got snapped off and Kirk Cousins had to be your QB1. Then I love turnaround. Grab me a Kyler Murray, and I'm going to go ahead and, and probably draft a QB3 as well in that kind of build. Um, so yeah. it's just, it's supply and demand, man. I, you know, I, I am sort of like trying to digest this whole Kyler Murray's not going to play this year narrative. I mean, I feel like the, the only way we kind of, I think, have that as a legitimate conversation, let's, you know, and this is all just spitballing out here, right? Let's say we get to week 12, 13, the knee hasn't responded. He's struggling to come back and they are way out of contention. Like it doesn't make sense yeah. maybe to bring him back for the last month of the season. But, you know, if we're looking at, Week six, week eight, um, maybe week nine. I don't see why you wouldn't, even if they are struggling, if the, the wins and losses aren't aren't working out for Arizona, you have invested way too much in Kyler Murray uh, to just not. And you know, look also, I think, I if think you're if you're Jonathan Gannon, right? This is your this is your chance to coach. Like, why wouldn't you want to put your best quarterback that's on what the field? I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, Jonathan Gannon also, you, you know, I mean, he has a responsibility, you know, as well, like to the locker room, and we don't get that. Like, and that's where GMs and coaches have to battle those things out and find the right balance. That's why there's two different roles. But tough, you, you know. Nobody wants to go into a crappy job where you're losing every day, you know. And so you're trying to build a team. You know, a lot of those guys are going to be around the next year. There, there's Coaches have a bigger picture too with what they're trying, you know, with what they're trying to accomplish. Now, who knows? They they could get to that point and maybe they're not getting along with Kyler and they feel like he's gonna be bad for the locker room. There's a lot of ways, you know, it could work out sour, you know, for Kyler, but I have a hard time thinking that there are, are more ways of him not playing than there are ways for him getting on the field. I feel like I would still bet on him getting on the field this year. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you hundred percent on that one. I would be surprised if we didn't see Kyler Murray at all in 2023 uh last couple tiers tier eight the shiny new toys uh, chief among them you got two rookies and a guy who is going to be a full-time starter for the first uh, time in his career bryce young cj stroud jordan love uh these are the i mean these definitely feel like better in dynasty sort of things like guys you really need to take more of a longer view on but i guess there is a path to, to maybe making uh some waves in i guess in best ball situations this year i, I can't imagine redraft is going to hold a lot of value for these guys yes yeah, this is more best ball to your point um you know one of these guys could end up surprising us you know things weird things get weird um but the main thing here i put them above the next, we'll go ahead and talk the other tier real quick too. Last call for starters is the next tier is Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kenny Pickett. Um, you could argue Pickett may belong in this tier, you know, tier eight, and that's fine if you want to put him there. He still is a young guy. Maybe there's some ascending talent there. Um, but the main thing for me, Marcus, is we see rookies all the time. Like they're young guys. They they can run the ball, even though they're not going to run for 750, 800 yards like the elite quarterbacks are going to do. They can give you 300 yards, 350, 400 yards sometimes. And that's where I see these guys adding value above the passers below who we've got question marks around. And if any one of these surprises us as a passer, that at least gives them a route to like a top 12 finish. And so with Bryce Young, we've got, we've talked about him a lot. Yeah, the size is a problem, but like this is a guy that makes decisions at an NFL level. This guy can read disguised coverages, best quarterback since Joe Burrow in college graded against disguised coverages. Uh, one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in the last 10 years against pressure. 
um, throwing the ball into deep windows downfield. Like he, he does all the things that differentiate quarterbacks at the next level. So when you add in the ability and this guy in the scramble drill was great. Like he's one of the, one of the absolute best in the scramble drill as well, which is something we see from what Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, um, Josh Allen, they make a living making those big plays coming out of, you know, in the scramble drill. And guess what? When you go to do the scramble drill and the guy's not open like he was every time in Alabama, what does it turn into? A scramble for 10 yards, <laughs> you know? So I think you're going to see more running from Bryce Young than what people expect this year. Um, and I know people, oh, you're going to get hurt. You got just, you got a better chance to get hurt in the pocket than you do getting outside and where you can see everything coming at you and protect yourself. So I'm, I'm not really buying into that narrative. So I do like Bryce Young. Um, just remember Jonathan Mingo now has made his way up to round 11. So if you want to stack him with someone, Jonathan Mingo's like round 11, Adam Thielen's round 12, but DJ Chark's round 14. And so you can still take any one of those and turn around and get Bryce Young. I would advise you, if you're playing on underdog, stack a receiver or at least a tight end with all these guys when you do it. And that's one nice thing about all of these. They have some cheap teammates that you can go for. Uh, you got CJ Stroud. I, I know it sounds gross, Marcus, but hear me out. I've been taking Robert Woods at times with my very last pick. It's the last pick. They paid him. He's going to be the starter when the season starts. I'm not looking for Robert Woods to make my fantasy season, but if he can come through with four or five weeks that help me get through an injury or something, like that's all I need. And when I say give me points in best ball, we just want him to score eight points. We're just trying to avoid having a zero, you know, in our lineup uh, in the bye weeks. And I feel like a lot of the receivers and other things that are going around 18, I start looking at them and I'm like, man, a lot of these guys are not going to be on rosters. I'm almost certain Robert Woods is going to be on the Texans. And so I've been pairing up Robert Woods, some with Stroud. Uh, if you are the rookie person, you'd rather go rookie, go Tank Dell. Go with Tank Dell in round 18. Uh, John Mechie, a nice potential comeback story this year. You could add him. Um, Dalton Schultz goes later. Uh, he goes like round 11. Uh, Nico Collins is like around 14, 15 picks. So a lot of easy things to do with Stroud. Again, I think he can, he can run the ball as well um, if needed. And then Jordan Love, you know, I get him a lot because we love Christian Watson. <laughs> Marcus. So like when I have Christian Watson, like I find a way at the end, like to be like, okay, my QB two is going to be Jordan love. And I do think that's why Jordan love goes higher than Bryce young and CJ Stroud, because people are investing that early pick in uh, Christian Watson. And so there've been enough times where people are making that pairing that it just pushes that ADP enough. And then other people just see the name. They're like, okay, Jordan, love. <laughs> they just take him, even if they don't have Christian Watson. But if you don't have Watson, another guy we've talked about a lot that we like is Jaden Reed. And Jaden Reed, you can get after Jordan Love goes off the board. So lots of different ways to stack these guys, and they all give you rushing upside um, just because they're young. Yeah. Uh, you know, we mentioned Bryce Young, and I'm sure you saw the video of him taking his first snaps uh, at Panthers practice and everybody commenting on on how, how small he looked out there. Uh, you know, I know. It's never going to stop, man. It's never, it's never going to stop, right? And I, look, I know we – we would love it in fantasy and probably in real football too, right? If every quarterback was built like Josh Allen, right? Some just ginormous, you know, movable statue, like, you know, impossible to tackle cannon on. We would love that. Right. Um, Bryce Young survived in the sec and I'm, they don't, they don't necessarily have a bunch of peewee football players running around the sec. Uh, he figured out how to survive. He survived in high school playing at modern day, which is one of the premier programs in Southern California and all of California. He figured out how to survive and be successful there. Um, I mean, I think at some point, I don't know, we just have to bank on a guy who knows how to play football, has figured out how to be successful. Yes, injuries can always factor in. Injuries can factor in no matter how big or small you may be. That's just the nature of the game. So, uh, I mean, I know it's, it's a fun talking point. I'm sure Twitter is going to have jokes forever and ever. Um, <laughs> but at some point, you know, we just got to believe in the player sort of as, uh, as he is. Uh, you mentioned too in the last call for starters, you, you have Mac Jones in parentheses with a slew of question, question marks. marks behind him. Uh, I mean, are we even sure Mac Jones keeps this job for an entire season? Yeah, I nearly put him in the next tier. We're not going to talk about the next two tiers, but there are two more tiers. People can go read it on the site, but battling in a head in the count, right? So these are guys that are basically forecasted to be the starters, but battling for a job in camp, you know, so got like Brock Purdy, if he's healthy, Desmond Ritter over, uh, you know, Taylor Heineke, that kind of thing. Uh, and then the next tier is battling, but behind in the count, I, I nearly put him in tier nine, but I mean, in tier 10, but like everything the Patriots have now come out and said is like, no, he's the guy, like he's the guy. But I, I did put him in parentheses with the question marks because 
like, I don't know, man. Like, it, what would it surprise me if Bailey Zappi was the starter by week five? Because there's been a lot of smoke around Mac Jones and his relationship with that coaching staff. And I have a hard time believing that that's all just false, right? Um, at this point, what's they didn't trade him. They didn't move him on draft day. What are they going to say? I think it's tough for Bill Belichick, even as grumpy as he can be, to come out now knowing you got to face a whole season with this guy and just say he sucks and we wish we could have moved him. Like, I feel like the only thing you can say is something good. So I was kind of torn. Yeah. The, the narrative lately has been better, but like how much of it do I believe? I don't know. I will tell you this. I do feel like Mac Jones is one of these guys that if he landed in Minnesota next year in a trade and Kirk cousin was gone and he was surrounded with all these weapons, we'd probably be looking at him like a Jared Goff on this list. You know, I think he could probably function as a good pocket passer, put some good weapons around him. We, we don't know right now. Like, right. poor guy, like, who, he's not throwing to anyone. Like, I mean, I'm yeah, I get it. They went and added Juju, but, like, Juju's not a huge playmaker. Like, the Patriots, you know, they got to get their act together. They suck at really figuring out wide receivers. Yeah. They've done some nice things with tight ends in the past, so we'll give them credit for Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, and they find the slot wide receivers, but, I mean, they've just really struggled to put together, like, a complete receiving core. Um, other than way back in the day when they had Randy Moss and Wes Welker. But even then, like, I think Dante Stallworth was the other guy. Um, so, yeah. Well, and, you know, at that point, yeah, I mean, they sort of, I think they sort of backed into Wes Welker and, and Randy Moss. I mean, we knew who he was at yeah, that the point. The Raiders that gave was, him away. You know, that wasn't, uh, you know, that, that wasn't hard. We, we could have all scouted Randy Moss at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Good point, Mark. So, so it all stands that they, yeah, there's not been many hits as far as outside yeah. kind of guys. That will, that will be, of all the things on Bill Belichick's very, very impressive resume, that will be the one glaring, I think, weakness who just have been his inability to consistently scout uh, good wide receivers. So, um, yeah, it is what it is, I think, at this point. Uh, if you want to check out all of the tiers of the quarterbacks uh, for Dwayne, you can go check that out at fantasylife.com. Uh, while you are there, of course, sign up for the newsletter. Still coming out every single day right there in your inbox with plenty of goodness news information and just general fun stuff for you to click on uh as you scroll through it so uh what's next are, are, are you said you're working on what running back the next one yeah writing up the running back tiers right now um so we'll have some cool archetype stuff in there for everybody as well so they'll all be tiered and we'll have them labeled with the type of archetype like you know is this an elite passing down back is this a true do it all back stuck on a you know, a team, you know, with a big depth chart, like, so there's a path, like if there's injuries, kind of like Ramondre was really that right last year, this, so I've been kind of toying and with ideas in my head of like, how do I really pair all these things together to tell like the complete story, like as quickly as possible. Of course, all the normal advanced data tier stuff, targets per route run, yards per route run, explosive plays, missed tackles force, all those sort of things to really evaluate the talent profile. Um, so talent's still the number one thing, but just breaking down, you know, where each guy sits, you know, depth charts, all that sort of stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Uh, should be coming very soon to a website near you. In the meantime, <laughs> it's a good place for us to uh, take a pause for the time being. We appreciate you hanging out with us here on the Fantasy Live podcast. He is Dwayne. I am Marcus. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again real soon.